Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks for checking out the episode, making your way here however you did. Especially thanks to you all who subscribe to the series. Of course, if you want to keep up with your favorite artist or discover some new ones or even just know what's happening in the music world and you're not subscribed, now's a great time to do that. Of course, you can uh, probably do that wherever you're listening right now, but also in the major spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Just type in Kyle Meredith with. We'll deliver brand new episodes to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today I'm going to be talking with Jenny Beth. She has a new record out called To Live Is To Love. Now you know Jenny is the uh, the front woman of Savages. We're going to be discussing her working with Nine Inch Nails' Atticus Ross on this record, taking some inspiration from Carl Sagan's uh, Pale Blue Dot, and diving into some pretty heavy themes too. Uh, guilt, sexuality, religion. She says the core of the record is my shameful faults. So, you know, that's a good place to start right there. Uh, Ginny Beth is also up to a ton of things outside of just record making these days too, you know, whether it's uh, acting or hosting a radio show or writing a book. 
And we'll talk about all that too. The book is called CALM, C-A-L-M. It stands for Crimes Against Love Memories. It ties in uh, with the record as a, a photo journal. And we'll hear how the two intersect. And, you know, doing so much as she does, you know, she says uh, one of her heroes is Henry Rollins, who keeps his, uh, his schedule plenty busy as well. So all of that and more, let's jump into it. Discussing the record To Live Is To Love. It's Kyle Meredith with Ginny Beth. Hi there. Well, first off, uh, my compliments on uh, To Love Is To Live. I mean, what a powerful piece of art that you've put out there, uh, which, you know, you tend to do, but it, it's not always a given. And, and, and it sounds like this has been a, a labor of love, no pun intended right there. With it being uh, such a strong thematic record, did you go into this with a vision, in, uh, you know, from the beginning? Not really, because that's how I had been working in the past, uh, um, especially in Savages. I've always had like a sort of a vision and a goal, and every all of my efforts were trying to keep everyone and everything towards that direction, you know, aiming to the same direction. But this time, I had I wanted to do things very differently from what I had done before. I wanted to not repeat myself. I wanted to change things. So. Um, so I purposely didn't want to know. I purposely f- step in the shoes of sort of an explorer and go into the dark caves <laughs> uh, with uh, just a lamp torch and, and just try to see what I could find and, and not stumble too many times, you know, <laughs> which I did. But, you know, it was all about exploring new territories. So it, it was very different to whatever I had done before. And I didn't start with any preconceptions. I... What I tried to follow was the gut feeling of uh, discomfort almost, or if I didn't know what it was, what it, you know, if I heard something but I'd never heard myself like this, or, or I wasn't sure what, what is this, then I would keep it. I think that was my, my only sort of um, guide. If, if that makes sense, compass. Yeah. Right, right. You know, even having down to a different palette of instruments sounds like it would be mm. uh, somewhat what you're talking about too. And, and I know we'll get to the it's more of the themes, the actual lyrical themes here in a minute. But but does does having different instruments does that actually change the way you write a song versus how you had in the past? Yeah, I mean, those instruments came as arrangements, but that definitely happened to me when I worked with Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails on the first, the opener, I Am. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Johnny Hostile had written the song and there were elements already there, like the clock and uh, the idea of the two parts, the idea of the dark voice, the lyrics, the melodies. But what Atticus did was to um, introduce a whole new level of intensity which was something that I was very used to in Savages, but obviously I didn't want to repeat the same sound as Savages, you know, because Savages is great and right. doesn't need to be repeated. <laughs> <laughs> but so Atticus Ross was um, used strings and layers and layers of it, of it and sound, and get mixed with guitar sounds that you, but they're so buried you can't hear them and build a sort of um, a wall like this or this sort of uh, real big uh, tension and I was glad when I heard it because suddenly it was the same intensity but played with different instruments and that's exactly what I wanted to try to do for this record. And Atticus I mean he's got uh, obviously history with it but and not that it's anything brand new but but the idea of using instruments that are maybe known for beautiful sounds and making them very dark and very tense (laughs) I mean that's that's a nice trick right there. Yeah, because when he said, I'm going to use strings on the song, he immediately said, not Hollywood strings, don't worry, <laughs> that we, we're not going lush, you know, uh, it's like punk strings, he said. And I was like, yeah, sold. 
love I love that idea. <laughs> but at some point, the themes must have started being noticeable as, as how they are connecting because it, it looks like you know yes. it looks like at some point you did lean into it. When did that occur? Very early on. I mean, lyrically, for instance, all the lyrics I got them quite soon. I mean, the, my, my first uh, part of exploration is always a pen and a paper, you know, and so. Lyrically, I had the themes pretty early on. I had the song Human, I had um, The Man. I knew Innocence. I knew what I wanted to talk about. And the starting point for it was I'm going to put right in the center of the record, right at the beginning, let's say, but the core of the record is going to be my shameful thoughts, like the things that I hide away, the things that I would never want anybody to know about me, um, and try to isolate those and try to turn them into songs. And I felt that if I do that, that could be the core and the starting point to then elevate myself. And it's sort of a journey, you know. And I think the people I love in life are people who are able to admit their own, um, their own shit, you know, their own mistakes. And, and that's why one of the first lines of the record is, um, you know, I, I've made some mistakes. You know, I've, I've acknowledging, you know, that you're not a perfect being that you're complex and you're layered and you've, you've, you, you're full of contradictions. And I think that's the sort of uh, depiction of humanity I wanted to show, but it was also parts of my own experience of feeling like, at that point, I felt really like a bad person. I felt flowed and, you know, and I needed to exercise those things. And I still feel like that. I just think you have to live with jealousy all your life. You have to live with all these things that haunt you and, and try to always turn you into sort of a you know, bad person, but, but, uh, um, but I, I felt that if I try to do a personal record, there's no way I'm going to do a record where I'm not honest about those dark sides of mine. Uh, cause otherwise I would feel like a cheat, you know? And, and I, I, I assume the idea is to take the power uh, away from that guilt, uh, and, and thinking that you're you yeah. know, making mistakes. Yeah, and guilt is kind of one of the themes of the record. I think um, it was parts of, you know, Catholic guilt and, and things that I've been raised with, um, although I was never baptized. Uh, I think you don't need to be baptized to be raised and, you know, to be sort of influenced by religion. Um, my family is religious, and, um, but um, parts of my family anyway. But I think, yeah, it's it's trying to create a new narrative, isn't it? Like a new way to overcome those things like in the past few months you know with with everything that's happened with confinement i think uh, i'm not the only one who would say that uh, i wish i had a god i could pray to you know i wish i wish i had something a belief because that's that helps tremendously and i could feel how he would help me but i don't so i need to find other ways to to overcome those things so there was a song actually which didn't make its record where we used to say the universe is my religion, you know, and and parts of the record is also shifting perspective in, from the infinitely small to infinitely big. I was very influenced by Carl Sagan, the physicist, um, astrophysicist, mm-hmm. um, and his text about the Earth t- seen from very far away in the universe called the pale blue dot, mm-hmm. and and so that that's sort of a different perspective on on our own imperfections and violence and you know power as well um i felt was interesting yeah the uh, pebble dot has that's been something i've thought about quite a lot especially with everything happening right now yeah um on on the ground here because because you you know you hear about that getting away and getting away and and suddenly all of that sort of washes away you know the further out you get it's uh, obviously a, a nice 
uh, something you can apply rather easily metaphorically uh, <laughs> whenever yeah. you need to. But I, I did want to go back to, um, you know, the raised Catholic part because I, too, I was raised Catholic. I left when I was 13, never really looked back again, although um, maybe like you, I, I still have family uh, that's very religious and everything. But but the the history of of religion and I'll even specifically say Catholicism and the suppression of sexuality and how that has caused a lot. I mean, there's a relationship, there's a history of Catholicism and sexuality um, that seems mm. to go back, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and it always the way I looked at it anyway was because of the suppression. You, you There is uh, an obvious rebellion that comes out of that for a lot of people. For you to write about um, sex and intimacy the way you do, do you think that's part of it uh, because of uh, any kind of <laughs> Catholic guilt and suppression? Uh, maybe. I mean, um, it's also part of, you know, my my life and my own experiences and the people I meet and I know. And, and I think if I wanted to, I thought if I wanted to write a, a record about what life means to me or what human beings are, there's no way sexuality is not a part of that, you know. Um, so it's as natural as that for me, um, you know, uh, to mention it in the record because it's part of life, you know. Mm. And as, you know, regarding who teaches us sexuality, you know, there isn't really, um, you know, is it religion uh, is it or education? Is it school? Is it um, pornography? Like who is teaching sexuality? Is it your parents? <laughs> it's a bit of everything, isn't it? But um, but they definitely don't have necessarily the right approach. Uh, sexuality is a very intimate thing, isn't it? And there's almost no guides and no mentors. You know, no mentors. You know, it's. It's um, it's something that you have to find out only by doing and only by putting yourself into throwing yourself into the experience and, and finding out by yourself how you feel. So so it's it feels dangerous because of that. But it's almost the only way, you know, it's it's um, that's why it's, I think it's a very creative part of being a human. And I think imagination is uh, plays a very important role in sexuality and and that's something I really wanted to portray, uh, not only in the album, because I think the album is not only about sexuality. It, it, it talks about it, but it's really not the right. main subject. So I wrote a book um, called Calm, Crimes Against Love Memories, which uh, which is very niche in its theme because it's in, essentially about sexuality and erotica. And so That's really interesting the, the way you worded that, too, because I don't think I've ever put it together that it is the most intimate thing that we could do and there really yeah. isn't anyone there to kind of guide I like I know that you know when I was young I picked most things up of course from schoolyard friends and and things like that yeah. and and TV you know cable television and uh yeah yeah that's uh and and there it is as you said the most intimate way I mean that's it's very easy to become warped isn't the right idea but uh, uh mm. misrepresented in the intimacy yeah. I guess yeah Absolutely. You brought up the book. I'll ask about that real quick because um, it is a companion piece. As you said, the album isn't specifically all about that, but but touches on it. So you have this. When did Where did that idea come from to have a companion piece like that? Uh, and was it meant to be seen as a, as a whole project? No, I mean, it wasn't meant to be as a whole. It's, it kind of came because I was bored between recording sessions of To Love Is To Live and I couldn't really write any more lyrics 
uh, I was done with lyrics and, and it felt impossible for me to write more lyrics for any other projects, actually. Everybody, any time people would contact me for collaborations, I was like, oh, no, I don't know what to write. I can't write any more lyrics anymore. It would seem like really a small format. And I felt that writing prose suddenly liberated me. It was like moving from a studio flat to a three-bedroom flat. I was like, oh, my God, I've got room to to move, <laughs> to express myself. To and um, It felt great. And the subject of fantasies and sexuality was kind of because I was really into the magical realism style of writing from South American writers like Borges. And, and it felt that it was a great, um, it was a great way to uh, mix, you know, talking about fantasies and mixing them with this sort of magical um, elements and the idea of imagination playing a really great deal into uh, shaping fantasies and, you know, um, and it felt just exciting to write about and freeing. And I, you know, I could really do or say whatever I wanted. Um, and I think in books, actually, you can go far, much further in, in explorations and surrealist ideas or, and also talk philosophically about things because some of the, the book is a collection of uh, dialogues. So there's a, uh, Mono, six monologues and six dialogues so it's people talking about their sexuality about their own experiences and it and there's a lot of me and my conceptions about things but there's also a cross about different things and people have met and the book is also a collaboration with photo, photographs of, uh, that have been taken by my partner johnny hostile which talk about the same subject of uh, intimacy and freedom and but it, it does allow for the whole thing to to be really this uh, multi-level uh, kind of thing. If if you know, as a as a listener, uh, if we wanted to be sure. And, and then when you add in, of course, the video aspect on top of it. I mean, I, I don't know why more artists yeah. I don't think take advantage of of multi mediums like this. And and that yeah. you do. I mean, you know, we can add in that you you know you do acting, and and obviously you have the radio show, which I'll I'll bring up. It, it's excellent. We start making sense. Do you see yourself as one? I mean, do you consider yourself like the singer-songwriter, or is it more of just like the artist in in the broad stroke? When I when I started working on this on this record, I I did a, a little drawing on the paper, and it was it was written Jenny Beth the album in the center, and then it was like branches going all around to different aspects of what I love doing. And then I looked at it for a few days, and after a while, I was like, "No, that's not right." And I, I, I rewrote it with writing Jenny Beth in the center. That sounds very egocentric, but you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, and, and then, and then all those branches were going around. But the, the points, for example, the album was one of those branches, and I, and it relieved me when I found that out because I felt suddenly the album wasn't the main, big, important element. It was part of a whole ecosystem of things which uh, creatively inspire me I love doing and but also as you said that the TV show the radio um, the radio host thing for me I'm part of the same thing because the, the those conversations with other artists influence me inspire me uh, you know and and it's it's I see myself you know I'd love the idea I love the idea of seeing people as you know the sum of parts but also still being respected for your unity you know having this possibility of for me one of my heroes for that is uh, Henry Rollins because mm -hmm. I think he's done that brilliantly and much much before me and the idea of everything he does is so new and different like stand-up comedy from a writer a singer in a punk band <laughs> um, um, you know solo artist actor 
so all these aspects or, or even TV host or radio host and but still doing everything with his own identity, you know, uh, remaining who he is uh, every time he, did, he does something. And I always admired him for that. And I'm, I was lucky enough to meet him a few times. And, and I feel I feel that um, that's basically what my role model in terms of yeah being multiple and and having different uh, activities and, you know, interests. Well, it's certainly fun to watch uh, from this side. And uh, Jenny Beth, I, I love what you're doing. And especially, again, let me compliment you on this record with uh, To Love Is To Live. I said thank it you. at the beginning. It is a powerful, powerful piece that you've put out there. And uh, and thank you for doing it. And and uh, thank you for taking the time to talk today about it, too. I oh, really appreciate pleasure. it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Have a, have a great time. You too. Take care out there. We'll see you around. See you around. Thank you. Bye-bye. My thanks. Jenny Beth, the brand new record is called To Live Is To Love. Thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Before you get out of here, I do hope you hit that subscribe button. Again, you can do it uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Just type in Kyle Meredith with subscribe. We'll take care of the rest. Brand new interviews every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. After that, head to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, that's uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also grab me on the social media spots at Kyle Meredith. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.